Today on Living in the Word with Dr. Gary Yates. We can envision one day thousands or millions of Jews coming to faith and embracing Jesus as Messiah in one of the greatest evangelistic movements of all time. I'm Gary Yates, the pastor of Living Word Baptist Church in Forest, Virginia. Thank you for continuing to join us as we study uh, the biblical covenants. Uh, we are seeing as we look at the Abrahamic covenant that it's foundational to the message of the book of Genesis. But we will see in this presentation that the Abrahamic covenant is actually foundational to God's plan of salvation through the whole Bible. We have seen that the covenant involves three specific promises. God will make Abraham a great nation. God will give his descendants the promised land. And then ultimately, they will be a blessing to all peoples. We are tracing this covenant through Scripture in this study and seeing how it will find its fulfillment in Christ. The first thing I, I want to focus on and just help us to see is that the Abrahamic covenant in Scripture guarantees the Lord's enduring relationship with Israel as his chosen people. Genesis 17.7 describes the Abrahamic covenant as an everlasting covenant. And so this covenant between Abraham and Israel is everlasting, which means that it is permanent and enduring unless God would later say otherwise. But as we read the rest of Scripture and what it has to say about this relationship, the Bible makes it clear that God has never said otherwise about his relationship with Israel, and uh, he never will say otherwise when it comes to these commitments that go all the way back to Abraham. As we look at the story of Israel in the Old Testament, the working out of the history of Israel, God's covenant to Abraham means that the covenant with Israel does not fail and it will not cancel, um, even when Israel worshiped the golden calf at Mount Sinai in Exodus 32. So the people break the Mosaic covenant right at the very beginning. The ink is not even dry on the covenant. They're already worshiping other gods. As a result of that, Moses, or the Lord says to Moses, stand back, I'll destroy these people, I'll start over with you, fulfill the covenant in that way. Moses reminds the Lord of the covenant promises that he made to Abraham and the patriarchs. And it tells us in Exodus 32, the Lord agreed with him and changed his mind. Israel has broken the Mosaic Covenant. Again, right at the very beginning, the ink isn't even dry on the tablets, but the Abrahamic Covenant lies underneath as a safety net of the relationship between Israel that, and God that guarantees that the relationship will continue. God's commitment to the Abrahamic Covenant means that the covenant was not canceled when Israel sinned and disobeyed and were sent away into exile and lost the promised land that God had promised to them because of their sin and disobedience. The covenant was not fulfilled completely just by that temporary possession of the land. Deuteronomy 30 verses 1 to 10 gives us the history of Israel before it ever happens. And the Lord knew, before Israel ever even went into the land, the Lord absolutely knew that Israel would lose the land by their disobedience but he promised to restore them and to bring them back. The exile did not end the covenant. The prophets across the board promised that God would bring the people back to the land 
And that's exactly what happened in 538 BC uh, after they had spent 70 years in exile. And, and one of my favorite passages about how God would restore the people and how he was committed to them and would bring them, bring them back to the land is found in Isaiah 54, verses 7 to 10. Look at the, uh, listen to this and, and hear the enduring nature of the relationship between God and Israel. The Lord says, For a brief moment I deserted you, but with great compassion I will gather you back. In overflowing anger for a moment I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. This is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over all the earth. So God's commitment to Noah is an assurance of his commitment to Israel and to Abraham. I, so I have sworn, I will not be angry with you, will not rebuke you, for the mountains may depart and the hills may be removed, but my steadfast love will not depart from you and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord. I mean, the language could not make this more clear or explicit that the relationship is permanent and enduring. Uh, God would bring them back and restore them because their disobedience had not canceled the covenant. God's commitment to Abraham means that the covenant with Israel was not even canceled when they returned to the land from exile and that was a disappointment as well. They persisted in their disobedience. They returned to the land, but they did not return to the Lord. Zechariah was one of the prophets who lived in uh, Judah during this time. And he tells us in Zechariah 14 that there would be more exile, more judgment, more punishment, but there, there would be a final restoration and return. So exile and return can happen over and over again until God would finally make it right and overcome the sin and disobedience of his people. As we move to the New Testament, we have an even bigger problem for Israel because Israel not only disobeyed and rejected and broke God's commandments, they actually also rejected Messiah. They rejected Jesus, God's son, as their Messiah. John 1.12 says, He came into his own, and his own received him not. And, and we might think reading that, surely... God's covenant with Israel cannot survive, or the, the relationship that they have with, uh, with the Lord cannot survive their rejection of God's own son. But the reality is God's commitment to Abraham means that even their rejection of Messiah does not mean the cancellation of the covenant. Romans 9 to 11 is one of the most important passages in all of Scripture in terms of reflecting that abiding commitment. In Romans 9 to 11, Paul explains in a very detailed way that the unbelief of Israel toward Jesus does not mean that God's promises have failed, and it does not mean that they have been terminated. He even asserts in a very detailed, like specific, emphatic way that Israel's unbelief does not mean that God's promises and God's covenants have failed. And, and right at the very beginning of this section, he's going to spend 9, 10, and 11 talking about Israel and God's relationship. At the beginning of that section, he assures us in Romans 9, 4, that God's covenant with Israel is still in place. Romans 9, 4 says this, they are Israelites. This is after the rejection of Messiah. They are Israelites, and to them belongs the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship and the promises. It doesn't say they had the covenants or they used to possess them. 
and they lost them, it says that they still have them. They still possess them. And then at the end of this section, after he's walked through this and talked about what happens with God in Israel, in Romans 11, 28, and 29, Paul reminds us that God's promises and the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. He will never go back on those covenant promises and covenant commitments that he has made to Abraham. Um, the covenant commitments and promises that God did make to Abraham, uh, the New Testament teaches how they find their fulfillment in Jesus, and this happens in some really amazing ways. Jesus is the Messiah uh, for Israel. Jesus is also the Savior of the world, not just because he's the son of David and in the Davidic line, but also because he's the son of Abraham. Galatians 3.16 is a very important verse here. And Galatians 3.16 says that Jesus is that one seed, that one son, that one offspring of Abraham who brings the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant to all of the seed of Abraham, both his physical seed from Israel and his spiritual seed from the Gentiles and the nations who believe in him. So it's, it's, it's for both. Jesus brings fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant to the people of Israel as God's chosen people, as the physical seed. Luke 1 says in verses 65 to 73, or 68 to 75, Luke 1, 68 to 75, that Jesus comes to bring deliverance and salvation uh, for Israel from their enemies. And, and so Jesus in his incarnation comes to deliver Israel so that they might, they might experience all that God has promised to them as his people. Luke 173 even specifically mentions the oath that God promised to Abraham. But Jesus also fulfills the promise of the Abrahamic covenant that all peoples, families, and nations would be blessed through him. Galatians 3.26-29 says that all who believe in Jesus Christ have become the spiritual seed of Abraham. Faith in God and God's promises is what characterized Abraham's life, and our faith in Jesus is what shows our family resemblance to Abraham. Faith is how we receive the benefits and blessings of the Abrahamic covenant, and all peoples and nations are included in those promises. There is no longer a distinction between Jew and Gentile because we are one in Christ. Another place that we can see this, the, the joining of Jew and Gentile, the book of Acts shows us how the promises to Abraham are being fulfilled both for Israel and the nations. On the day of Pentecost, Jews from all over the empire hear and respond to the gospel and, and receive the Holy Spirit. The salvation and restoration of Israel, guaranteed by the Abrahamic covenant and what Jesus started, is taking place. It's not just for the Jews that had come back from the exile that were living in the land. It was for the lost tribes that were everywhere else. This is all of Israel that's being included in this. But as we move forward in the book of Acts, Acts also teaches us that Samaritans and Gentiles and all peoples receive the same Holy Spirit, the same blessings, the same salvation that the Jews received at Pentecost. By faith in Christ, Jews and Gentiles 
are together becoming a part of the people of God. That's an important New Testament teaching. But the New Testament is not teaching us that the church has replaced Israel or that the covenant that was given to Abraham has been transferred from Israel to the church. The reality is is that if Israel doesn't exist, then the Abrahamic covenant has been invalidated. Passages like Isaiah 54, I think, bring that out. Instead, what's happened is Romans 11.24 explains, those of us who are believing Gentiles, we have been grafted into Israel. We don't replace Israel. We've been joined to Israel. We have become a part of Israel, and we inherit God's promises to Abraham through Israel and and never or not in the place of Israel. I I think what this means is that if Israel still exists in, in God's mind in that way, then the specific promises that God has made to Israel are still in place, and those Israel specific promises are still part of God's future plan of salvation. Every Jewish believer from Pentecost until today reflects God's faithfulness to the Abrahamic covenant. There's there's a remnant among the Jewish people, but Romans 11 promises there's even more for Israel in the future. Paul explains in Romans 11 that after the full number of the Gentiles have come to faith in Christ, and, and the church today is predominantly a Gentile church, Paul promises in Romans 11.26 that all Israel will be saved. And not, not every Jewish person, not every person who has Jewish blood, but collectively there will be a widespread turning of the Jewish people to faith in Christ. That's part of God's future plan. Zechariah 12 had promised that the Lord would pour a spirit of grace and repentance on his people so that they would look upon the one that they had had pierced and they would mourn for him and they would come to repentance and faith and recognize Jesus as their Messiah. Paul is seeing exactly the same thing. And as we look at that promise of all Israel being saved, we can envision one day thousands or millions of Jews coming to faith and embracing Jesus as Messiah in one of the greatest evangelistic movements of all time. And that, that great event that is still to happen is connected to the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant had promised originally that the salvation of Israel would lead to the salvation and blessing of the nations. Paul simply flips the script and says that the salvation of the Gentiles today will ultimately bring about the collective and national salvation of ethnic Israel in the future. We learn from all of this as we trace this through. God has not abandoned his covenant with Abraham. And through Christ, God would bless both Israel and the nations in fulfillment of those promises he originally made to Abraham all the way back in the book of Genesis. 